Hello. Hello. Hi, Angela. Welcome to Pod Potatoes. Thank you. I'm your host, Mark Selzer, and you are the chairman of the Los Angeles, or the chairperson. The How do we say this now? I'm not sure how to say this anymore. Oh, it really doesn't make any difference to me. You could just say <laughs> I'm the chair. The chair <laughs> of the Los Angeles County Libertarian Party. That's right. I used to be the chair of the Los Angeles County Libertarian Party long ago, but not anymore. That was a lot. Was a lifetime ago. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. It feels like forever. I have no idea how I was motivated to do such things, but that is much of my life. When I look back on it, I think, how did I ever have the patience or time or gumption or ability or think I had the ability or just the willpower to do it? How, how do you, what, what has motivated you to become the chair of the Los Angeles County? libertarian party well you know i'm passionate about freedom and making los angeles a sane place to live again and i think that we've got a wonderful opportunity to do that in la with over thirty thousand registered libertarians in la county that might be a small piece of the pie when you look at it in the context of 11 million people but it's a pretty good chunk of libertarians you know as far as a just getting them getting any number of libertarians together in the same place. And I thought that when I first came into the, the Liberty scene in Los Angeles, the party was not doing very well. It wasn't doing very much. And I just saw a great opportunity and I took it where I, where I found it. Yeah. The, you know, it's a, it's a, we're a small group of people, but you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a large group of people to, uh, to really make a difference. It just takes a loud, a loud and active group of people or an engaged group of people. It would be good if we could uh, start getting some people elected here and there in Los Angeles and start to have an impact. But man, it just seems impossible. The LA County just seems to be going in the opposite direction of uh, Liberty, but who knows there could be a, backlash at any moment with this COVID lockdown, endless COVID lockdowns that have absolutely no basis in science whatsoever and make no sense. Well, in order to make a difference, first we got to start, you know, doing stuff. And I think that back in the, the late 90s or the early 2000s, we saw with the help of Aaron Starr, a lot of libertarians get elected on the local level throughout Southern California. But I think that without, you know, constant shepherding of the party, that sort of fell away and it stopped happening. So I've sort of worked to rebuild our political capital in Los Angeles County. We need to get some notoriety and we got quite a bit of media coverage on our anti-lockdown protests earlier in the year. And right now we're working on drafting some resolutions and potential policy, uh, local policy drafts to get some, uh, you know, to get us a little bit freer in L.A. County. We've got 
obviously some horrible stuff going on with lockdown initiatives, but there are other opportunities for us to try to achieve freedom too. We're working on right now a potential drug decriminalization resolution, and we'd like to pivot on that and turn it into a policy proposal. So I think by working on issues like that, that sort of, you know, are, well, we'd be working primarily, you know, with Democrats and progressives on the drug stuff, because that's really who makes up most of city council. We'll get a little bit of political capital and try to make gains later wherever we can on the anti-lockdown stuff, especially as we begin to build, build coalitions with local business owners. Yeah, you know, it would be nice if I, I could have even known there was any anti-lockdown uh, protests I would have liked to go. If you have any in the future, let me know because I'm not able to find any any of them anywhere. I don't even know, uh, uh, you know, when, where I can find it. And, of course, it will be censored on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, if someone tries to organize one. So I don't know how I would hear about it. I guess email. Sure. We'll definitely put you on the email list. I send out at least a monthly email update to all the LP members that I have email addresses for. And we're very active in our LA County Facebook group and the LA County Twitter account puts out news as well. Our website is lplac.us. We like to put a lot of information up on that. And we also have partnered with a group called ldpglobal.com. They've been protesting in front of Garcetti's house every Sunday night at 6 p.m. They're a nonpartisan organization that is just dedicated to protesting against the lockdown because, well, you know, there are so many reasons to do it. Civil liberties, economic issues, all kinds of stuff. So we've been really active. We've been on the news and we're doing as much as we can to spread the word on social media. Well, I've been trying to, uh, I, I'd like to come out to the, I don't even know if I'm on the LA County Facebook page. I'm going to have to make sure that I am and make sure I check it. I'd like to come out to the protests on Sunday. That would be wonderful, but I am hosting a comedy show usually on Sunday but sometimes I'm not. This one I'm hosting is in the afternoon, so maybe I'll be able to come out this weekend. And if anyone, if you or anyone else would like to email me, they can email me at mark, M-A-R-K, selzer, S-E-L-Z-E-R, at sbcglobal.net. I don't know why I have that incredibly long after the at on there in my address, but it's there. It's Sally Bobby Cat, sbcglobal.net. So, got it. What, what are you involved at all on the, on the national level or is it just in LA? I sure am. I am actually running for chair for the, of the National Party in 2022. I announced very early and I was spurred to do so by the National Party's failure to champion the anti-lockdown cause and to speak out boldly against this, you know, unprecedented tyranny that we're facing nationwide. Yeah, that's really a no-brainer and a great way for us to uh, get uh, maybe some attention, you know, especially if we can get out and get the the local people. Because I can't imagine, you know, so many libertarians or small business owners. Luckily for me, my business is online. So I probably have actually benefited like Amazon 
from the lockdowns, but uh, it seems like a, a real no-brainer for libertarians to be opposing this. It's just so uh, there's so much sympathy, I think, coming from everyone now. Everyone's so sick of it. They don't make any sense at all. It's like I always say, you know, we're locking down again. That's like saying I'm banging my head against the wall, you know, every day. And it still hasn't solved my problem. So I'm going to bang my head against the wall harder for a longer period of time and see if that works, you know. And that's kind of, to me, seems to be what these continuous lockdowns are. Absolutely. I mean, I think that we've established pretty much, you know, with a with a simple Google search that there's no scientific basis for this. And you're seeing the coronavirus spikes across the world right now for the third time, regardless of the policies that people have in place. Lockdowns of healthy people have never been implemented in response to a viral outbreak anywhere in the world prior to this. And they just don't work. If they'd work, then we wouldn't be seeing a third spike, obviously. So you know, it's an absolute travesty that the National Party isn't speaking out against this in a stronger manner. But thankfully, a lot of the county and state parties are. And I hope that libertarians will continue to champion and rail against this cause in whatever capacity they can. I know we're certainly doing it in L.A. Yeah, certainly, you know, some of the places where they've had the worst lockdowns, they've had the worst uh, second and third waves and some of the places where they haven't locked down at all, they're just fine. So right. it, it, it makes no sense. There's no science. There's not even any, uh, uh, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call a kind of example like that? Um, there, there's nothing. There's nothing, nothing right. to support it whatsoever. And I don't know what is going on. It just seems so strange. A lot of people think that uh, maybe the anti-capitalists uh, are attempting to use the lockdowns as a way to destroy or reset capitalism or make people more dependent on the government, as in the, the checks being sent out and destroying the economy. Right. There's been talk of this great reset being pushed by people who are, you know, big players in the global economic community. And it's really disturbing because it's not, you know, pushing free market capitalism. It's pushing a very heavily centrally planned economy on a global scale. And it does not bode well for freedom, individual rights, and uh, economic prosperity for people across the globe. I hope that it fails and that it doesn't get off the ground. Well, it's, it's a terrifying prospect because it's about dis destroying prosperity and basically starving people to death and, you know, destroying the quality of life for lots of people that have been, they've made huge gains recently around the world. The World Health Organization, the one that made the mistake of encouraging the lockdowns, actually now is begging people to stop because we've doubled world poverty. And that's just going to have a devastating effect all across the world. People are going to be starving. People are going to, especially in the third world, when people aren't doing good in the first world, the people in the third world suffer even more 
And it's just, uh, it's just incredibly sad to think we've already doubled world poverty. And now we're, we're making it worse. And you know, what are we going to do when there's millions of homeless people in Los Angeles and in these major cities because of the lockdown, the destroying people's uh, livelihoods? Absolutely. I mean, the, the World Economic Forum is just totally wrong about needing a great reset in response to coronavirus. Over the past hundred years, we've seen the poverty levels drop uh, globally as more and more countries embrace elements of free market capitalism and turn away from central planning and communism. And now we're going to see that completely reverse, unfortunately, if they go through with this. Uh, it's, it's too bad that when people think about poverty and economic improvements, they don't think about lifting poor people up by providing them with opportunities. They think about cutting successful people down, stealing from them and giving their money to lower income communities. And that's just not a way to build a successful economy. It disincentivizes people to work, wealthy people because they'll be robbed and poor people because they're receiving handouts. Yeah, you know, the way to make um, make it work or lift poverty is to make it easier for everyone to start a business, which is one of the wonderful things about the Internet is that anyone can start a business now with an app. And uh, also certain businesses have taken advantage of that, just hiring people through an app. You know, imagine uh, 20 years ago thinking that you could just download an app onto your phone and suddenly be working for just different companies immediately you know even the same day like uber or postmates or i was hearing heard another one today about roadie driver which is just going to construction sites and dropping off tools and things like that i mean in people starting businesses on their phone or people just selling the huge piles of junk they have in their house uh, on Amazon or eBay or anything. It's just, uh, that's the way to end poverty is to just make it easier for everyone to hire people and for everyone to start hiring other people and for everyone to start a business. And I don't get this idea where we have to sabotage the people at the top in order to try to help the people at the bottom that's just going to harm harm those uh, the the job providers the people that are being the most prosperous on the top who usually got that way by uh creating a, a bunch of jobs you know i think the richest man in the world is uh, uh microsoft bill gates and he's probably created the most high-paying jobs in the world he's created probably some not high paying jobs, but, you know, basically getting computers to everyone is basically ha giving out or handing out or selling for very little money, a millionaire machine. You know, people are using yeah. their cell phones to become millionaires. And uh, I use my cell phone to make a living and so many other people are. So, you know, is, is, it becomes more and more decentralized. And I'm really glad that Lyft and, and uh, Uber didn't leave California. It's unthinkable that we had to vote to make them stay here because look at all the jobs that would have gone. And then also it was providing a 
low cost uh, form of transportation to people that needed to get it to get to work, to get over to see relatives, even to see sick relatives, to get to the doctor, uh, to, to get anywhere, to get to the grocery store. And if you just go back to cabs and buses, there's very few options for people, you know, and that absolutely. Uh, I was very happy to see it. Even those silly scooters, which I waste too much money on because they're so fun. I had to stop. Yeah. Even those, I mean, I see people putting, you know, their grocery bags on the scooter and then, you know, riding the scooter home. And, you know, just every day uh, or just, you know, I see someone in a McDonald's uniform going down the street in one of the scooters. They're getting to work. They're getting to their job. And so, you know, I love all this stuff when I see it. It's just uh, capitalism, you know, at work. And uh, that makes me feel good. But whenever I turn on the news and listen to Governor Newsom or Garcetti, I just uh, want to pull my hair out. It's, it's incredibly irritating. Oh, yeah. Our local government has really fumbled the ball. I mean, not only are they implementing all of these, you know, baseless laws that are ruining our lives, quite frankly, they don't even abide by their own orders. Hypocrisy is yeah. out of control. Yeah, no, it's it's un it's unthinkable. And and they are just, you know, we just and I think people see it and that's good. I signed the petition to try to repeal, uh, recall our governor. I hope that it works. That yeah. would be wonderful if we have another uh uh, Gray Davis, turn him into another Gray Davis. That would be wonderful. And those who don't know who may be listening, Gray Davis was the last governor that was recalled, and he was recalled over a car tax. He tried to raise people's car taxes in California, and was and was recalled, thrown out of office, and we got Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I don't know if he was any better, but uh, at least we got rid of the guy for raising our taxes. That was right. nice. That was a, you know, a hardening thing to see people just say, no, hey, stop this. And, you know, I'm just thinking, I hope that somehow, I don't know why it hasn't happened, but I, I don't know what kind of legal grounds they would have. But all the businesses that have lost the money because of the lockdowns may be able, would, should get together and sue for the lost profits. You know, just to try to oh, yeah. uh, bankrupt the corrupt, uh, out of control government in California and Los Angeles and all these cities. And I really don't know or understand where this authority comes from. You know, I would think that it would, there would be more challenges in the court. I guess there have been. But, you know, the the judges are appointed by these power mad, power hungry uh, politicians in Los Angeles, so and California, so you know, who knows? Who knows uh, if any relief is going to come to people through the judicial system? But I hope someone's well, doing it. I actually am very active on the on the litigation front against the state. So I represent. Uh, and I'm a paralegal, by the way, not an, not an attorney, but I, I work with an attorney. And we represent a restaurant in Huntington Beach called Basilico's, who has been attacked by the Alcoholic and Beverage Control Agency 
that is directly under Gavin Newsom's orders because Basilica's refused to comply with the lockdowns. So they've just maintained uh, their regular business practices throughout this entire time. And Orange County, which is a little more friendly to freedom than LA County is, they've decided they're not gonna, they're not gonna file any charges, they're not prosecuting, they're not doing code citations to this restaurant, they're just leaving them alone. But Gavin Newsom got wind of it and he said, well, why don't I sick my regulatory attack dogs on these guys? So ABC has threatened to revoke Basilico's license. Oh my and, God. Uh, yeah, Hackam Far Law and I, that's the name of the law firm, have been defending them in Alcoholic Beverage Control Administrative Court. The hearings, it's sort of like a trial and they don't go, they don't happen back to back day by day. So it's still ongoing. We're waiting for our next hearing date, but we're fighting it based on the grounds that we think Gavin Newsom's orders are unconstitutional. And that it, it's so convoluted. ABC is saying that because we're defying the lockdowns and they have an order to make people like restaurants comply with lockdowns, we're violating ABC's rules, right? Out, outrageous. So we're saying that their entire authority is unconstitutional and baseless because Gavin Newsom is relying on something called the Emergency Services Act. And what that little piece of legislation does is it allows Gavin Newsom to use not only executive power, but legislative power. And, you know, a basic understanding of how our constitution and government works will tell you that the governor doesn't get to legislate. He's the executive. You don't get to run roughshod over multiple branches of government. So anyway, that's how we're fighting it in Orange County. And I'm working with some restaurant owners in LA County to potentially file suit as well. And we'll be attacking, you know, that little piece of uh, evil legislation and trying to take him out that way. Well, that would be wonderful. I mean, it seems like you'd have just thousands and thousands of people would be able to band together and start raising money together to try to, you know, uh, salvage these businesses. And we just had that one woman, the heartbreaking uh, story of the woman go viral worldwide uh, who had the, was on, on the restaurant. And then the uh, Gavin Newsom allows a, uh, I guess it was a food court for a movie shoot. Yes. Right? Right in yeah, the same parking lot as her parking lot, where she is now no longer allowed to serve outside. And I hope right. that God, this is the end of this, uh, these lockdowns outside. It's just so, so ridiculous. I remember when they were closing beaches and yes. everyone was saying, why are you closing beaches? That's outside. You know, that's, that's going to be where people have the least ability to uh, communicate a virus to other people. And I believe that the virus really can only be communicated by physical touching. I think that's my. It's so senseless. Yeah. Suspicion. I mean, there's so theories abound, right? They say, Oh, it can, it's a, it's an airborne virus. And then they say, well, it can only be passed in, you know, like, tiny droplets of, of spit or when you sneeze. So wear a mask because even though a mask doesn't obviously protect against viral airborne particles, it keeps you from basically spitting on people when you talk. And then there are no studies to really back that up either. So they sort of twist there's, the words of other studies. 
In fact, there's it's one study nonsense. that was done recently that came out that we asked uh, people who got coronavirus if they used a mask or not. And about 75% of them said almost all the time. So that mm -hmm. would support the idea that wearing a mask makes it worse and can cause you to catch it because if there is a droplet of some kind, that you the, the mask is going to hold it there on your face so that when you take off the mask, you get it on your hands, get it in your mouth, or get it on uh, your hand and then touch your mouth, touch your face, touch your eye, and get it that way. So I just, I just think that's my opinion. And from looking at the, the various uh, papers that have come out, you know, and it's, it's, it, it gives me the suspicion that it's making it worse. And also, I did, this, this study would seem to imply that, and so would other studies that show that a neck gaiter could make it worse, things like that. So I really am extremely skeptical, and I only wear the mask when I absolutely have to in businesses where I absolutely have to you know, do it that I don't want to get kicked out of. And I already had the coronavirus as well. I already had it. wasn't that bad. And ironically, I had it. And then I went to China because I went to Thailand. And I had a one-day layover in China. I was in the tail end of the coronavirus at that point. And uh, although I wasn't tested, it pretty much all the symptoms they talk about I had. And I'm in my 50s. I'm slightly overweight and have high blood pressure. And it still did very little to me. It was just kind of a bad flu. Right. A bunch of, you know, flu medicine for it. Just regular flu medicine. And it stopped it pretty much. And, you know, that was that. And uh, I enjoyed, you know, enjoyed my vacation. When I arrived in Thailand, I was in the tail end of it there, too. And... Uh, uh, I just uh, took some medication and, and was, was absolutely fine. It was no, no big deal. I mean, this only is affecting people that are in their 70s and 80s. So we really, if we're doing anything, we need to be isolating the elderly people. We need to be, you know, not going to see grandma, unfortunately. Yep. Talk to grandma on Zoom or if you know someone that is uh, – has it weighs 400 pounds, has a bad heart and diabetes. Those people can also be at risk if they're very sick. So uh, stay away from those those people. You know, people that are elderly should uh, have their groceries delivered, no contact delivery, and that should really be the effort because it really is. This is an old folks' home disease. Right, isn't something that we're being told. We're being told as if children are going to get it, which they can't, and they can't spread it, and it's not spreading in the schools or to the teachers. And if you have a teacher that's very, very, very elderly, they should probably be staying home as well. I remember when I was in high school, we had a very elderly teacher, and we used to just all be very quiet, and she would fall asleep. <laughs> right, right. Relax. And do nothing for that hour. We would all just say, shh. And we would tell everybody, they go, but she'll fall asleep if we just be quiet. So we'd all go away. We'd be really quiet. She'd fall asleep. We'd continue to be really quiet and uh, just enjoy ourselves for that hour. 
But anyway, that's a teacher that should probably stay home uh, during during the pandemic. But it's just completely insane. As you were saying earlier, we are going to be quarantining healthy people. It just makes no sense. And closing the gyms, we make everyone fatter and more out of shape by not having the gym. I even and then I found a park I could work out in. And mm-hmm. then I go to the park the other day and they had padlocked the exercise machines in the park with chains. I'm like, you know, to what in lengths of insanity are we going to go to keep people from exercising and being healthy? You know, it's just absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. It, none of it makes any sense. Closing down beaches where strangers don't cluster together anyway. Yeah. Locking up exercise equipment that people generally will wipe down anyway because that's just part of gym culture. No one wants to sit in someone's, you know, in a stranger's sweat. You always take a towel, you know, a little spray bottle. They're just going after. It's, it's absurd. But I'm kind of glad at this point to see our governors and the L.A. County Board of Supervisors defy their own orders because it <laughs> shows it shows they don't even believe what they're pushing. And so in a way, it's sort of like watching the, the curtain drop. You know, you get to peek behind the veil and see what's really going on. Right. And it's Pay causing no more to the man right? behind the curtain. More and more people are losing faith in it because they see that the people enforcing the orders don't even believe their own orders. So I think we're going to see a lot more resistance come about now that the blatant hypocrisy has been exposed. I would love to encourage, and I plan on drafting this in a a resolution for our Los Angeles uh, local government, to to have the people who run parks and rec and, and the beaches stop locking things up. I know it's your job. I know the person in charge is telling you to do that. And we're asking you to focus on the other parts of your job. Just don't comply with these stupid things that are hurting people. Just skip that part of your to-do list. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of sheriffs are doing that. There's a sheriff very famously in New York and other sheriffs that are just saying, you know, no, I'm not going to enforce this. I remember seeing an interview with an incredibly horrible lady who was the governor of a state, and she was saying you should call the police on your neighbors if they're having a Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, it was oh, just, right. Yeah, you know, I just I don't remember who it was, but just some, just a little Hitler, and I I saw, and it happens just every day. I had a woman in the uh, grocery store the other day threatened to call the police on me because I wasn't social distancing or something like that and it's just like here's another little hitler this whole the pandemic has brought about many many little hitlers many wannabe hitlers and people i think that really have sought uh office uh gone into government because they really desperately want to control others and i can see that and they see that ugliness of this uh, desire to control and it's it's and also not to of course uh have the controls yourself you know the not the emperor isn't wearing any clothes or you know everyone has a cell phone now and can take a photo of the man behind the curtain 
And that's what we're seeing. You know, literally, when I see the pictures of Gavin Newsom eating out inside, unmasked, with his, with a huge group of people, I just think, you know, yeah, somebody, everyone has a cell phone now, and everyone can slip it behind the curtain and take a picture of the man behind the curtain. And that's, and, and that's what we're seeing. Nancy Pelosi and so many mm-hmm. others. Just uh, everywhere. It's, it's just... It's so ridiculous. And all of these, you know, I, I heard the other day, and it reminds me of something that I heard the other day. I forgot who said it. It was brilliant. They said uh, to someone who was very, had dedicated themselves to the Bernie Sanders campaign, they said that, uh, oh, for all of that work, they should have at least gotten a, to ride on Bernie Sanders' private jet, you know? Right, right. It's just, there's so much hypocrisy just everywhere. You know, if you want to, I say to anyone, you know, if you want feel it's right to give money away to the poor, uh, no one will stop you. Go ahead, you know, give any amount of money that you want, that you have earned, that you have possession of, to poor people. Go right ahead. But, you know, we have these rich socialists demanding everyone else give their, give their money away when they have a huge house and are wealthy. Go ahead and live by example and give your money away like Gandhi did, you know. Be the poorest person in the country and, and, and live that way if you want. But, you know, they don't do it. It's not there. And people don't see the hypocrisy of that. Why? I don't know. I see it. I see it, you know, blaringly every time I hear these people and their solutions, as you were saying, let's sabotage the people at the top and then give it to the people at the bottom, which also sabotages the people at the bottom because there's every study that has been done has shown that's been very bad for people at the bottom to get them addicted to welfare as in with the i remember uh hearing that the in the 1950s african americans were at had a 85 percent marriage rate now after welfare uh it they have a 15 percent marriage rate and right the that's a huge for sociologists studying this. This is one of the biggest uh, changes and most significant changes in any large group of people living anywhere in the world. And most people trace it to the welfare state. So there we have a very negative impact, not to say that, you know, some help somewhere in some way couldn't be positive for people. I certainly give if i'm going to give my money i just try to give it to the person uh you know hand to hand you know just uh just give the money to the person or buy them food or or whatever if i see a homeless person and uh, i'll give them money and or just buy them food and give them the food if they want it and that's what i try to do but I don't think that organized uh, these these organized things through the government 
are working at all. And I think that in LA, they're spending something like a million dollars or half a million dollars to house homeless people. Like each oh, homeless more than person, that. So much money. It's just, you know, why not just allow the flop houses to come back? You know, it's just right. Uh, and every time people try to double up, like with Airbnb, they try to stop them from doing that using some excuse that rental properties are being turned into Airbnbs and aren't being open to, to regular people. And that's a very tiny percentage. But one of the reasons there's a shortage of rental properties is because they're not allowing people to build new rental properties in so many places. Now in Hollywood, they're allowing it, which is good. But I understand it's a huge, huge mess in order to uh, build anywhere. And it costs millions of dollars. I saw a uh, documentary film about a person who was trying to turn a laundry mat in the abandoned laundry mat, an abandoned building that used to be a laundry mat, into a apartment complex in San Francisco where there's a huge shortage of housing. And he was battled mm -hmm. for five years to try to get it done. Oh, it's perfect. It's it's a perfect storm of, of gridlock between cronyism from from developers who can pay to play and you know bribe city council, and also progressives who grossly misunderstand housing policies and the economy and you know, incentives for people to build and what poor people actually want and need in housing. So nothing happens. No, yeah, no good progress. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, people always say, well, the government needs to do this and the government needs to do that about this problem. Not understanding that the government is what is causing that problem. The government mm -hmm. needs to stop doing this and stop doing that over there. I remember my own experience. The reason I knew I was a libertarian, as I heard, uh, it was either Ron Paul or Moreau on uh, television at one point. I first became a libertarian when I was listening to one of the early precursors of talk radio. It was actually done by a liberal named Michael Jackson and no relation to the singer, but he was an English gentleman that was a liberal and he would have a political talk show. And he was one of the first. He was a pioneer of that format. And there was an elderly lady who had called in and she was complaining bitterly that she had just went to vote and there were libertarians on the ballot. And she couldn't believe it, that they were actually allowing people like this who believed these things to be on the ballot. And she had a list of things. Legalize all drugs, even for recreational use. And uh, and allow everyone to own a gun. And I was just like, yeah, I agree with that completely. I can't believe right. this woman was complaining and calling them names and saying, you know, that they should not be allowed on the ballot, et cetera, et cetera. And that's when I first started to look into the Libertarian Party. But when I opened a business on Hollywood Boulevard, it was a record store. Mm. I had the uh, the state come in the county come in they wanted me to uh, have a license a business license of course and a license to sell used goods so i had to go down to the police department and give them four hundred dollars but i went down there saving my shekels i was staying in the 
you know, in the back of the store at the time trying to get mm-hmm. it going and uh, barely could get the $400. So I went down to the police station to give them the $400 that this bureaucrat had come in with a clipboard and demanded that I have. Yeah. He told, they told me that I had to go down to the, the, uh, the, uh, God, what is it called? Zoning department in downtown LA. So I go down there and they look at the zoning laws. Oh, you're not zoned for that. You have to hire a lawyer to uh, have a used record store there and try to change the, the uh, laws. So it's like, here I am. I'm living in the back of my store. I'm running a tiny record shop. And uh, instead of, you know, prospering, providing jobs, and providing services for tourists that they really wanted. They, a lot of people came to Hollywood Boulevard at that time to look for the kind of records I was selling. And the, uh, they said, you know, it was going to cost anywhere from 15000 to 30000 to up to change it. And the reason for that was that uh, there used to be a record store on Hollywood Boulevard. I believe it was called Tower Records. Yes. And they didn't want, in fact, I believe I've been there. I believe I, I even remember what records I bought there when I was there. But this record store didn't want a mom and pop record store opening up near them or next to them that was selling used records at half the price or one third the price that they were selling their records at. So they gave a bribe to the local city councilman who then went to the zoning commission and made it illegal to have a used record store anywhere near this Tower Records or on Hollywood Boulevard. And the law is still there, you know, creating problems and havoc and, you know, shutting down small businesses like myself. So I fled to the Internet, which is less regulated. And then Obama starts taxing the Internet oh. with uh, PayPal. So, yep. you know, I'm constantly fleeing regulation. And now I'm, of course, looking at Bitcoin because uh, I would love to have all my transactions in Bitcoin or even a more secret form of currency. So that right. I'm not uh, having to deal with the government at all. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's 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 just uh, very very frustrating. I know many libertarians who went into the cryptocurrency space, and uh, they're very happy that they did. Oh, definitely, especially. Especially if they did it a while ago, they made they made a pretty good return. Yeah, you know, I kept uh, my friends who did that kept telling me, "You have to get Bitcoin. You have to get Bitcoin." I didn't have you know any money to get any Bitcoin, but I should have still tried to buy some. And I have some old phones that have some old, old Bitcoin on it. There's probably about 150 bucks on there at this point, or something like that in Bitcoin. But I can't remember the encryption code, so. I'm going to have to, if it gets up to a million dollars, I'll have to hire one of those people that uh, goes in and figures out your your uh, uh, encryption codes that you use that you forgot. Right. There was, there was a guy, I guess he had a 
some early Bitcoin on a laptop that he threw away. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now he hires people to dig at the dump that he believes it's at. I don't know if he ever found it, but he became wealthy in another area. And those uh, he's got $30 million in Bitcoin sitting in a laptop in a landfill somewhere. So he's hiring people to dig in a, a landfill where he believes that it is at to uh, attempt to find this laptop. It's very funny. But anyway, so what can anyone do to, what can people do to find you and get involved in the Libertarian Party? Sure. Well, I recommend that you check out our website. It's lplac.us. It's got regular updates on it. You can reach out to us there if you want to join the party. It's $25 a year. We've got some join links. If you just want to kind of feel it out and, you know, maybe attend some of our events, you can find out about it there, too. And we have a Facebook group. If you look it up, it's the Libertarian Party of Los Angeles County. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well. And we'd love to hear from you. And you can also register to vote as a libertarian. And uh, you can even yeah. run for office as a libertarian if you so choose, which I have done. And I used to have a... Uh, a educational television show for the Libertarian Party in L.A. And uh, I ran for office and got almost 7% of the vote. So that was good. It was good for a Libertarian then. But there's, uh, there's an endless amount uh, to do if you'd like to get involved in Fight for Freedom, which I recommend. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome. Thanks. And uh, this will be, you can find Pod Potatoes on Anchor. You'll be able to find it uh, everywhere. Either type in my name, Mark Selzer, S-E-L-Z-E-R, or Pod Potatoes. You'll be able to find it anywhere. And you can find me at Mark Selzer on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. And if you join my Facebook uh, group, you'll be able to see all the places that I'm performing. I'm a comedian now in los angeles so thank you very much for uh coming out and uh i will see all of you soon thanks for having me